I'm Riker, and this is Pilot. When you hear that chime, you know that the audio is working. (laughs) (laughs) And that you are now listening to Pilots with your hosts, Shmi and me, Riker. (laughs) You pointed at me. It was weird. (laughs) I know. I was doing it like we do it at the end. And I thought, nah, I'm on a roll here. Let's just (laughs) roll with it. This week, which uh, you already know this, what I'm about to say. You already know what I'm about to say if you listened last week when we reviewed Star Trek Discovery. Uh, And if you didn't already know this, then go listen to that podcast. Uh, (laughs) This week, (laughs) we reviewed Firefly, uh, which aired on Fox in, what, early 2000s? Yeah, 2002. Oh, I would have said 2000 to 2002. Oh, there you go. Not the, not the length of time that it aired. It only aired for a half season, right? 13 episodes? 13 episodes. Which uh, I remember reading. So all the Firefly fans would school me on this. But I remember reading Fox just didn't really take care of the show. I think they kept oh, no. moving the, the times, the day and time that it was on. Well, and they aired it in the wrong order. The pilot that we watched was not the first one that they aired. Okay, I was right about to say that. Oh, well, I'm, I'm so sorry. <laughs> that would have been very confusing. Oh, it was. Absolutely. Uh, and this was, wasn't this the quintessential, I say back in the day, I know that NBC and CBS are still making shows, not that anybody's watching. Um, <laughs> Shots fired. <laughs> <laughs> but wasn't that the quintessential problem with broadcast TV? Like you needed to watch on the day and time. You needed to remember the day and time. I remember I had a list going on the fridge when I was a kid. Like, okay, (laughs) Thursdays we do Survivor, other than when it's on on Wednesdays. It's like if you weren't hearing the advertisements or reading magazines, like when's your favorite shows on, it was really easy to miss them. Or sit down and expect the next episode and then, oh, we're doing a repeat from four episodes ago. You had a whole booklet on this. A TV guide is how you knew. (laughs) Because, you know, most people didn't even have great internet access to look up a schedule. There was time before there was internet, but there was TV. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we had dial-up. So, like, looking up things like that was just not even a thought we had. Yeah. That's less convenient than just flipping around the channels. Yeah, it was so bad that uh, they had to have a whole side industry of, like, media to keep track of your favorite <laughs> media. Absolutely. So, yeah, this one just never got its proper shake. I think maybe Fox was definitely probably not the right network for it. Was Oh, definitely not. I actually didn't come along until the movie came out. And, you know, I watched that, loved it, and was like, okay, I need to find out where I can get more of this. Because you know me. I'm not normally a movie person anyways. Like, <laughs> I want to have the characters for a long period of time. So right. TV has always been my thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so to know that it came from... A TV series, I was stoked to actually, you know, dig into its origins. Yeah. But I went into the movie not having watched any of it. Me too. So I saw the movie in theaters, as did you? Yes. Yeah. Which is funny because, you know. In high school. We were in high school. Mm-hmm. It served as a pilot for us, which is funny because the pilot is called Serenity. Yeah. And I uh, scored at the time, I scored that pilot as unsuccessful. <laughs> <laughs> the movie, yes. <laughs> And you scored it as successful mm-hmm. and joined the, uh, what do we call it? Cult, cult. following. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you joined the Firefly cult. 
what else? I mean, there's got to be more on before we really get into our scoring. Like, what's your relationship with the show? How did so you found it through that, and then yeah. you just watched the 13 episodes in order in and just order. liked it a lot. Yeah, I, mean, I you, watched them in order. You um, mentioned it quite a lot for yeah, how little I, content um, there is. I was naughty and pirated it, but you know, the, my pirating Arr. source had it uh, in order, which was lovely. And I watched it in the dorms in college, so my roommate, of course, was not into that at all. We watched Gossip Girl, she and I together. Uh, so Firefly was super not her taste. So it was something I totally watched by myself uh, in college. You know, I just found out in the last couple of weeks of reviewing Star Trek shows with mm-hmm. you um, that none of my friends on Facebook are Trekkies. Yeah, no, I realized none it of as them. well. I, and I've <laughs> always felt so alone with this, and I'm so frustrated by it. Just if I could give a quick plug, sure. go find the group Trekkies on Facebook. Facebook. It's the best name for a Facebook group. Nobody has it. That's I have it now. Right? I think that's crazy. <laughs> I have it. I don't know how to promote a group. I don't know how to manage a group. But I need a bunch of nerds to join. I post Star Trek stuff now all the time on Facebook thinking I'm going to come out with this. And everybody's like, yeah, who? Nobody cares. Yeah. Or they're all closeted Trekkies too. Anyway, so uh, it's hard to find like people that want to watch sci-fi with you. Not Firefly. I will say, anytime I post, it's like a meme or whatever. You post it and it says, what one show got canceled before its time that you would want more of? Like, every single time, first answer is Firefly, and then everyone thumbs us up that one. Like, it's there's not another great contender. That's the one people want more of, which is why it's kind of disappointing that Disney's the one who's going to take that on. I think that you're doing the fan thing that all hardcore fans get guilty Ooh, of okay that you're passing judgment on what disney's production is going to be sure. before they've had time to produce it yet from one angry nerd to another <laughs> don't be ready to hate it yet okay that but being said can you it. at least <laughs> acknowledge that a lot of its charm is it's more pg-13 aspects when mal is kind of being a jerk and making these horror references, and Jane's being kind of gross. Like, <laughs> No, I got it. I, and I know that, that yeah. Disney's got a clean brand, but mm-hmm. they don't have a squeaky clean brand, do they? I mean, PG-13, is that is that a non-Disney rating? I, I believe so. Um, and I'm not totally certain on it, but I was specifically under the impression that they want it to be pg um, they talked about possibly having, and they haven't made an official statement on it yet. So it is possible that I'm very much jumping the gun, but you know, we're all very wary about, <laughs> about it becoming a PG show. It's just, it's not meant to be PG. Even the comics are very not PG. There's comics that followed. Oh, comics yes. that followed? Absolutely. Okay. So there's ones that kind of are supposed to be in the time between the show and the movie. And then there's ones that are supposed to follow the movie. So it's, ah, I love it. It's a great continuation, and I feel like it really does it justice. Well, I'll say this. Mm-hmm. I'm, we have a huge fan base that listens <laughs> to this podcast. Uh, millions and millions around the millions. world. I've never counted up to a million. It could be a billion for all I know at this sure. point. Uh, Walt Disney, mm-hmm. who is an avid listener. Absolutely. Uh, if you're going to make it PG, that would be fucking dumb. That would be my, like, I honestly That's your feel key like point, if, you're going to, mm-hmm, if you're going to make Firefly again and you're going to make it PG, to me, it's a cash grab. You cash really grab. didn't understand the source material Absolutely. and you really don't understand the fan base. And mm-hmm. if that's the case, can you please hold off for a second? Yeah, you're just going to outrage all of the fans. And- so fans need to be loud, <laughs> mm-hmm. but maybe, um, okay. So fans need to be loud. I guess I would say 
try to be reasonable, oh, right? Yeah. Like, let's not be angry at them for doing things or for taking creative risks necessarily before sure. they had a chance to take them. I but still let's watch be it, at least really the clear. <laughs> of course, you'll watch the whole thing. Let's be really clear um, that it's, well, it's really not a show that needs to be remade. I guess that's the baffling part. Yeah. Unless they try to get the characters together and they don't want to do it or whatever. Like, the why wouldn't you broaden the universe? Why would you remake it? Yeah, I don't know. I well, think we don't that, know. that would be a big shortcoming. If they try to recast Mal Reynolds, like that would just be absolutely setting yourself up for failure. Now, if they wanted to expand it and go, you know, hey, let's play in the same universe, you know, different characters, totally different crew, maybe still a Firefly class ship. It could even be this Firefly class ship, the crew that takes over after Mal retires. I could see that being something. But if you're going to remake Mal, you're going to get rid of Inara, I'm sorry, I just don't see it. I think if modern storytelling on television and film has taught us anything, it's that you don't need to retire your heroes. Mm -hmm. You might need to move them into different roles. You yeah. know, Luke Skywalker is not necessarily... Your young the, Jedi. Yeah, he's not the young action hero anymore, and nor would he be. And yeah. neither is Jean-Luc Picard when he shows up in Picard at, at 80 years old. You know, he's... He's, who is this person at 80 years old, and why would they fit into the story? What kind of wisdom are they offering? What kind of... Now, these guys aren't 80 years old. You yeah. know, Nathan Fillion is very much in his leading man years still. Yeah. And that guy has been uh, outspoken about loving the role. He clearly loves the work. I think the reason we all like Nathan Fillion, and I say we intentionally broadly, mm -hmm. is because he's, he's one of those... He's that every man who made it. Yeah. You know, it's like you feel like when you're rooting for Nathan Fillion's character, you're rooting for, you know, your neighbor, like the guy. He's one of the guys that you grew up with. And it's like he's just so cool and so down to earth. And he's just such a cool guy who happened to score big because you can't not like him. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I have a hard time believing that he's anybody but that. Uh, and he talks about his work. He's like, yeah, you know, I'm down. Every yeah. time I've read him say something, it's like, yeah, I'd like to do that. That sounds fun. That sounds cool. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, so... We watched it. Mm -hmm. This Absolutely. is the first time I've seen it. I started it once. I didn't super love Serenity. I just felt <laughs> like it set it set up. I feel like it was a story that was told to the fans mm -hmm. without a point of entry for, for to introduce me to it. There was sure. no, um, what do we call it? Audience surrogate. Yes, thank you. There was no audience surrogate. I'm so glad you came today. Um, <laughs> <laughs> me too. I don't know that you know how to turn this on. <laughs> There was no audience surrogate, at least for me. I liked the Reavers. I liked some of the visual aspects about it. I thought the ship looked like a turkey. I struggled with that. Yeah, it looks like a firefly. Uh, it looks like a turkey <laughs> with a shiny butt. Um, so Ooh. I just was not ready to love it. I tried to watch it on TV, you know, in reruns. It felt like old TV, and I just I just never quite happened. Yeah. I, I was very impressed. There's a lot to like here. Mm -hmm. I totally get it. Um and we begin, as we begin all of our reviews, except for the ones that we don't, uh, <laughs> with genre. Uh, how does the pilot establish the genre for you, and was it successful in doing so? Well, I know my answer to this, because to me it was very distinct. Um, for me, it was, you know, obviously a space western, and it's centered on a found family of outlaws. Space western, that's on my notes. Mm -hmm. Outlaws is right here. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> okay. Ooh, yeah. A lot of the same answers here. <laughs> and I actually double-checked to make sure you weren't cheating off of my cards, so. 
points. How dare you? I haven't <laughs> cheated since college. <laughs> well, good for you. That's noble. <laughs> oh, there just hasn't been any opportunities. Um, yeah, I wrote Space Western slash Space Bandits. I mm-hmm. wanted to be clear where they are at in the Western. Um, yeah, they're not the lawman. Now, these are the black hats <laughs> in a world that's more complex than that because mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a rugged universe um, full of corruption where, you know, outlaws sort of the nature of commerce, it seems, uh, in this universe. Mm, the, I'm going to use, I'm going to cross one of my quotes from my quotey card. Sure. Uh, with my genre card, my note card, just in case y'all are wondering what I'm looking at. It's a bright green card labeled genre. Um, Badger, who's Mm -hmm. the guy that they initially do a job for, that the job is they do the work that they're supposed to do, but it's kind of flawed and it could implicate the, uh, I don't know, kind of the kingpin that they're working for. Yeah. You know, the criminal that that they're working for who says, I'm a businessman. Yeah. Uh, Actually, two quotes. So this guy, Badger, (laughs) how does he say it? He says, uh, here's the key part. He says, "You're something about you're still a soldier. You're a man of honor in a den of thieves." I thought that was so great, and to me, that's that's the theme of the show. Yeah, right there. This is about like our audience surrogate is Nathan Fillion's Mal Reynolds, Captain Mal Reynolds of the Serenity, a Firefly class ship. Um, nobody shot me any dirty looks. I guess I got that all right. Um, <laughs> Man of honor and a den of thieves. And then he says to him, you look down on me, but I'm above you. Mm-hmm. I'm a, and then he goes on to say, I'm a businessman. Like you're, you're, and he keeps getting that in this episode. Like when the woman's saying to him later, we'll get into it, but you're, you're uh, like, I'm running. That's why I'm running this world. Yeah. And you're still, and you're just, you know, looking for scraps. Yeah. So on that boat of yours. Yeah. He's in his own man in this sort of fallen universe that uh, in order to do business, you just kind of got to be a criminal. I loved that. Yeah, absolutely. So genre, I don't think there's been a show that's been more clear on what their genre is. Yeah, and if you missed it in the first little bit, I feel like the title sequence really nailed it as well. Oh, the lettering and... Oh, I mean, even just like the the lyrics, the take my love, take my land, take me where I cannot stand. Mm -hmm. Uh, Okay, so clear pass to the genre of the show. I will have to... Let me be a nerd here for a second. Please. Um... Somewhere in the original pitch for Star Trek, they talked about it being a wagon train to the stars because you had Gunsmoke and Bonanza. You know, that was the prevailing <laughs> successful shows. Sure. And I think it was because they made the first pilot and they and the studio said, it's too cerebral. Give us more of a space western. And they said, okay, so we're, what we're doing here is a wagon train to the stars, mm-hmm. which I don't think is necessarily what, you know, Star Trek is how it's seen today and how it's known. Yeah, it's not how I describe not it. Not at all. Yeah, I agree. Uh, it's a lot more naval, nautical. That started happening more in the movies too. But, but what I loved about this is Star Trek, which I I think people could say fairly like kind of invented the language for for spaceship, you know, shows. Yeah. Like the tone of here's the captain in the center seat. Like it's repeated many different ways. Absolutely. This show doesn't feel like Star Trek. Oh yeah. Uh, it's a it's a lot dirtier, more rugged universe. Mm-hmm. You know, they have the Alliance, which is sort of like the evil empire, and yet it doesn't feel like Star Wars. Yeah, not at all. It's got a very unique language, like a visual language to it. It's uh, you know, the characters keep breaking into Chinese. Yeah, 
And I actually did look up the official reason because um, I remembered reading it in a piece of the comic, but I don't feel like they really covered it super well um, in the show. Yeah, you know, time to they probably the show. had, they were hoping for more seasons. So They got canceled pretty quick. <laughs> it was something they should have explored at some point. Um, so it's it says the Alliance's full title is Anglo, sorry, Anglo-Sino Alliance. Um, so it was intended to be a merger of the USA and China, uh, which was the last of the world's superpowers. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it makes sense that when the Earth got all used up and they had to go terraform other Earths and moons, um, that the two superpowers would be, you know, the primary languages. Oh, so they're, they are pioneers in the Wild West. Oh, absolutely. Really, pretty literally. Mm-hmm. Like, people take to the stars. Um, the Alliance has its its hold here, but it's an oppressive government. Yeah. Um, and then the everybody on the fringes of that, like... Mm-hmm you know, manifest destiny at the uh, out way out west, this is the Wild West. Absolutely. Interesting. I like that. Uh, so speaking Chinese, mm-hmm. so they don't get into it in this episode. Sounds like they didn't get into it really in the series. Um, you know, everything you just read, <laughs> there's, uh, there's dimension in this universe. Like there's things in this that I want to know more about, you know? The like, I want to know how how I want to know how we got here because it, yeah. it feels sort you know, it's the future. It's you know very um, um, you know Americana, but it doesn't. I'd ask you somewhere in this: Is this future from Earth? Is that the war that we saw at the very beginning of the episode, which was really an impressive scene yeah. for you know TV of the era? Uh, it comes in. It reminded me a lot of. In, in tone, it reminded me of the Terminator movies whenever they would do the flash forwards to future yeah. John Connor fighting Skynet. So that seemed in that bit to be very much a uh, influence for Joss Whedon. Maybe yeah. it was, maybe it was coincidental. I don't know. It was, felt familiar to me. I enjoyed that about it. Good. But uh, there's there's these things that make the setting the setting that are hinted at that we don't see. And I find myself wanting more. Like I find myself wanting um, more like mythology yeah, within this genre that we're in, which is cool. And I see why it's so disappointing for people <laughs> that the show got canceled. And it's yeah. like there was so much universe to flush out there, mm-hmm. which is actually why I think it's pretty brilliant that Disney is seeing something that they want yeah, to capitalize on. Absolutely. Because this is ripe for expanded universes. Definitely. Or an expanded universe, that is. So I would think, so if they do take the approach that it's just we're going to remake the show, but it's going to be our version of the show, mm-hmm. um, I think that would be such a dumb move because oh, then yeah. what's the point of doing it when you already have a fan base who wants to explore the universe that was denied you know, of them? Yep. So <laughs> let's get into it finally and then expand on that. Anyway, I'm meandering. Uh, what's next? Characters? Characters, Characters, as always. (laughs) (laughs) Except for when we lead with characters. Except for the other times. (laughs) So my uh, final, you know, I I wrote out all the characters so I knew who we were talking about. And the back end of it, I said, so good. And then I just added a big check. So I I say characters was successful. I'm going to say it up front. I loved everybody. Nobody, Nobody was like a tortured character. And I don't mean nobody. Nathan Fillion's got some, you know, they got some baggage, but oh yeah, definitely. Like it's not like watching House of Cards or or 
uh, Mad Men, not Mad Men, yeah, Mad Men, or uh, Breaking Bad, where for the characters to be great, they need to be seedy and twisted. Yeah. Like they said, you're a man of honor in a den of thieves, and yet you have all these personalities, and the mm-hmm. personalities all seem well-developed, and they seem like they're good friends, and they seem like, like I enjoy being around these people. You got the girl who's the mechanic, who's very like country girl, Haley like grew Fry. up on a farm. Oh, I loved her so much. Yeah, I know. <laughs> anyway, so- Your dream girl. I loved her. I was looking at her like, oh, I've never been able to like pinpoint what's my type of girl, and I thought, she is. She's just so adorable. I just love her. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so who do you like? Where do we begin? Um, do you want to do the order that they appeared on screen? I actually labeled it just for you. Hell yeah, I do. Cool. So we'll start with Malcolm Reynolds, played by Nathan Fillion, um, who is dad of the crew. Starts in the um, the war against the Alliance. That's um, Captain Daddy to you. <laughs> that's Captain Daddy. <laughs> <laughs> or Sergeant. I don't know. Back in the days of the war. Um, so we come in on him um, at the Battle of Serenity Valley, where... They're losing. They are hardcore losing. And, you know, he just takes it in stride at the beginning. He's like, hey, we're, we're fine. We just need to keep going until they show up and give us air support. And it turns out they're not showing up. It's a lost valley. So they had to surrender. And it's a turning point for him. You know, I don't know if you caught it, um, but in this battle, he kisses his cross on a necklace. And later he is a dick to shepherd he's like there's a shepherd on board there's oh. a preacher look that so he like to me that's he really lost his faith during that on multiple levels i had asked you too i said so you know we're in the future mm-hmm. yeah. is the shepherd holy man yeah we'll get into the shepherd in a minute or maybe this is it. i don't know <laughs> we'll see how it goes um sure. and i'd asked do you think he's a christian yeah, is he a Christian that was, holy That's man? my interpretation, absolutely. I didn't know about the cross. So we're deep in the future. Yeah. Some, you know, fantasy, fantasy, we got here. However we got here, this is how the world as we know it ended up going. Yeah. Um, and it would seem that Christianity is still the predominant religion. Yeah, I mean, they don't cover it in this one, but Buddhism is another big one that carries over, which makes sense, China. <laughs> totally. Totally. That's cool, actually. That would that would make it clear that there is this, ah, gosh. And then you look at what's going on in the world today, like this this duality between China and the U.S. Yeah. And telling stories about 20 years ago. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, okay. Uh, who, who do you have next? I have Hoban. Did I interrupt? I'm sorry. Oh, you're he good. He kisses his cross, so he um, lost his faith in the yeah. war. Yeah. Um. And he, I just, I guess the only other thing is he's he's very protective over his crew. Yeah. And he's got kind of an interesting sense of humor. <laughs> Can we talk about that? Yeah, please. Um, the scene where he's telling the doctor after Kaylee gets shot um, for uh, reasons that are on my orange card in plot. <laughs> <laughs> no, after Kaylee gets shot in the stomach and, and the doctor's keeping her alive and he feels kind of guilty because he, he kind of had this stowaway on the ship. Summer Glau's character, River. Yeah. Uh, and Nathan Fillion goes to visit with Kaylee, and it ends where she's just, she's not doing great mm-hmm. right now after getting shot, but she appears to be stable. Her arm kind of falls, and and, uh, and I'm thinking, okay, well, I guess Summer Glau's going to have to do some magical stuff to get her back alive when he says to the doctor, Kaylee's dead, by the way. Like, thanks for bringing your shit onto my ship. You just killed one of my crew, and she was freaking awesome. Yeah. 
and then very dramatically you watch him running to go do Simon. whatever. Yeah, watching Simon the co- the uh, the doc mm-hmm. uh, running to go save her, and she's got the hots for him too a little bit. We established <laughs> yeah. earlier, and he walks in and she sees him and she kind of waves at him like, "Hi, doctor." <laughs> And he looks back to say about Nathan Fillion's character, Malcolm Reynolds, uh, Captain Daddy. Captain Daddy. (laughs) He says, that man is psychotic. Cut to the crew in the cockpit, whatever they call it. Yeah. In hilarious, uproarious laughter. And the the funny guy, the pilot, says, man, you are psychotic. He goes, I know. That was terrible. I'm a bad man. You should have seen his face. Kelly's doing great, though. Kelly's doing great, though. He is a hell of a doctor. I got to hand it to him. It was so funny. And the way they cut it mid-laugh, like after the joke, while they're all cracking up about it, was so good. And that was like like a screenshot moment for Mm -hmm. me. Like, take a picture of these people hanging out. Like, this is the moment that you look back at, oh, those were the good old days, hanging out with my friends. It was such a fun, endearing moment. I loved it. It's funny you called it like a snapshot. I... Definitely felt like it could have been a page in the comic books. Yeah. Was that what you were thinking when you said he's got a weird sense of humor? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. That's 100% what I meant. He's kind of mean. Right. Well, he, yeah. And he's he's very stern with the mm-hmm. way he handles the conflict that we get aboard the ship. Because yeah. you have um, Dr. Simon Tam and his sister, River, Summer Glau's character, uh, that we're going to talk about in order in a minute. <laughs> That's fine. And he's saying, like, we're going to kill this guy. This guy's over here is bad news. You know, the infiltrator. Um, and his crew saying, can we, like, talk about this killing thing? You want to take a vote on this? <laughs> he's saying, we, we don't vote. This is, this is my ship and this is it's my rule. Yeah. Like, if you guys are going to have a problem with the way I'm running my ship, uh, those of you who have a problem are going to have to go because there's nothing to talk about. <laughs> yeah. And he's, so he's very direct. He's, he's very rugged mm-hmm. in his leadership. Absolutely. And as it goes on and he becomes a very, you know, bold and brazen action hero, he reminds me of uh, uh, Jack Bauer, Kiefer Sutherland's character okay. in yeah, 24 yeah. at certain points where it's like, wow, he will do, again, man of honor, um, but he will do some really brazen, he will make the tough calls mm-hmm. and he will think and act quickly. Yeah. Uh, and he's an action hero, and he gets away with it. And by the end, you're thinking, "Damn, he's good. Like, damn, he's cool." <laughs> and he, yeah. he, you know, let's not talk about it. There's not a bunch of one-liners before he's got to pull that trigger. He's a man of action in a way that's presented in a very cool way. Yeah, absolutely, I agree. Um, one quick thing: our kind of introduction in um, the war scene. I uh, pulled a quote because I thought it was hilarious. Zoe was telling um, kind of the rookie guys in the battle. She goes, first rule of battle, little one, don't ever let them know where you are. And then it immediately cuts to Mal going, woohoo, I'm right here, I'm right here. You want some of me? Yeah, you do. Come on. Ah, woohoo. And she goes, of course, there are other schools of thought. (laughs) When was that? The very beginning. In the battle. Okay. Yeah, in the battle. It is funny. Uh, Okay, let's boogie on here. Who's next? That brings us to Zoe. That brings us to Zoe. Yeah, played by Gina Torres. According to my card here, that's correct. (laughs) Excellent. (laughs) Our facts align. It's always good when that happens. I don't, I don't, you'll have to tell me, but I don't feel like we got a lot of her as a person here. No, definitely not. We got her as a wife. We got her Mm -hmm. as the confidant to 
uh, Mal Reynolds, who she's been with him for a long, long time, yeah. obviously. Obviously, there's going to be a lot of trust, a lot of history there, a lot of shared trauma and shared experience that's going to make a really... Uh, do, they, do they get into it? Do they have time to flesh out their relationship at all in this show? Uh, they do a bit. They kind of get into her loyalty to him and why. I mean, you kind of saw a little bit of it um, when Wash was like, well, why don't you just tell him we want the time off? Don't ask him. Just tell him. We need a couple of days. <laughs> you know, call him sir. He likes it. He likes that. <laughs> <laughs> and he goes, likes what? Nothing, sir. Ah, thumbs up. <laughs> oh, I saw it right this Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's, it's definitely kind of... Um, a very subtle thing for a little bit. Um, I think there's only one episode that I feel like they really explore it. Um, and you don't get much in seeing it. You just get a lot through Wash's jealousy of Mal. Mm. Because obviously she listens to Mal a lot more than she does her husband. I mean, wisecracker, come on. <laughs> come on. Yeah. Does, in your opinion, mm-hmm. well, let me say this first. Sure. I have an assumption but I want to get the answer from you first as you see it. Okay. Does Joss Whedon write female characters well, in your opinion? He seems to, yeah. Okay. So my assumption was going to be yes, because he's written a lot of shows with female protagonists. Absolutely. Buffy being the most notable, of mm-hmm. course. Of course. Dollhouse. Uh Probably other shit that I didn't that I ignored because I've been mad at him since Alien Resurrection. Those are the big ones, though. I admit that was unfair. I don't think he wrote. <laughs> a, I don't think he wrote <laughs> Sigourney Weaver's character great in Alien Four. Uh, no, just kidding. Um, so I would guess that that's an area where where there's not a lot of conflict about how he writes for a female character. Yeah, he does pretty well. That being said, do you think? that the show was canceled before they had the opportunity to get into the backstory of these two characters? Or do you think that maybe it was something that was introduced and that didn't get explored as thoroughly as it should have been? By these two, do you mean... um, Zoe and and Mal Reynolds. And Mal. Um, I honestly don't think I would want to look backward into it. I feel like they give you as much as you need to know. I mean, I do feel like they could have explored it more, but I don't think that it's it's the interesting piece. From that point, yeah, right, ran out of time. Mm Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, but it wasn't, uh, it was, you know, when they, you know, you introduce a character, you introduce elements that are going to be very interesting. Yeah. They either can't figure out how to write it or just never get back to it. And then it gets, and then it, we kind of move on past it. Yeah. Um, but that wasn't, you know, we don't have the ability to say that that was the case because yeah, we didn't get far along. Yeah. It sounds like they didn't have time. Um, who's next? I am going to assume Hoban. Um, next, as far as who we see, is Jane, technically. Was he in the war? <laughs> he was not. Okay. Uh, Jane is our redneck. Uh, he's the muscle of the group, or, you know, public relations, depending on who you ask. <laughs> um, and my other main note for him was that he is motivated by money above all else. Except for when the money's not good enough. <laughs> Except for when the money's not good Such enough. Such a good line at the end mm-hmm. uh, when the infiltrator, uh, Lawrence Dob- Dodson, that Dobson, we'll yeah. talk about. Uh, Dobson, you're correct. Um, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> when he says to him, hey, you know, let me out of the cell. I'll, I'll make you rich. You're going to mm-hmm. have your own ship. It's going to be better than this one. Uh, and he looks intrigued. Oh, absolutely. But I saw him in the main credits, so I knew that he wasn't going to go for it. Um, <laughs> not this time. <laughs> so he says at the end that him and the captain are talking and the, and, uh, uncle, uh, captain daddy says, 
why didn't you turn on me, Jane? Like, why didn't you take his deal and turn on me? And yeah. he asked him, like, polite, this man to man, like, hey, yeah, so what, what made you de- what uh, made your decision for you? And he said, money wasn't good enough. <laughs> and he says, uh, hmm, something, what does he say? Like, what's, I wonder what will happen when the money is good enough. Someday yeah. when the money is good enough. And he says, that'd be an interesting day. Yeah. And they just kind of nod on that as, yep, as sure two men. <laughs> yeah. In other words, look, uh, I'm a... I'm a loud, obnoxious, shoot from the hip kind of guy. Yeah. But I am a man of my. I am also a man of honor, uh, and I do respect you. And someday a really good deal might come in, and I might bounce. Yeah. But it's not going to be by stabbing you in the back. That's how I read that. Sure. Is that how you read that? I've seen the series, so I kind of just think that Jane is. Or is he really just an opportunist, and he's saying, "Yeah, maybe one of these days," and that that I don't just think wasn't he'd intentionally just screw Mal over. But man, I don't know if the money is good enough. It's hard to say. So, like he'll he's gonna leave. Like mm-hmm. one of these days, if he's got his angle to make himself a wealthy man, he's gonna take it, and he might leave uh, 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 Captain Daddy with some <laughs> with some hurt feelings. Yeah. Uh, but he's not gonna leave him to die. Yeah, I wouldn't think so. Yeah. That's just, the read I get as well. I thought it was another because that was at the end of the episode. Mm-hmm. After, like I said, the theme to me was you're an honorable man in a den of thieves. Yeah. Here we play on the theme again. No, these are honorable characters, even though they're criminals. But yeah, they're still on the alliance's rations. So who gives? Yeah, on a scavenger, sh- like it was a an abandoned ship. Mm-hmm. So it's not oh, like they're yeah. gonna go after it. It's not like they you know, hurt somebody or gutted the ship or held anyone at gunpoint. Like, they're not pirates in that way. Right. They just I take it occur- scraps. You're right. I didn't put it together. They were cause I was still learning who everybody was. Yeah, and course. I was making notes like, what are we watching? But uh, you're right. They just took some stuff. Oh, they stole from an abandoned ship. Yeah. From a dead. From, they scavenged. Absolutely. Uh, okay, another point on Jane. Yes. Uh, it's a girl's name. Jane Cobb. <laughs> Yeah, but Cobb's a man's name. <laughs> sure. Uh, Tell it's a woman's name. Is the scene where, <laughs> is the scene where, uh, you know, the re- the reference to the joke, the hilarious joke you just made, which is he is the, what did you say, or the PR person? Oh, public relations. Right. But the other one, what was the other one? He's the the muscle. Yeah, the muscle or mm-hmm. the public relations. So when the when the doctor when he when they get into their spent match and he says, hey. Uh, Jane, I don't like how you just disrespected Kaylee at the table. Um, so watch that shit. And then he says, "Like you don't pay me to talk pretty. I'm a I'm my own man kind of thing." Mm-hmm. And he says, "Get get away from this table," which is would have been a humiliating oh, yeah. moment where you really Daddy were. Daddy just sent you to yep. your room. <laughs> yeah, so true. Uh, humiliating moment. And after he says, "I don't pay oh, you don't pay me to do this," the doctor says, "What?" After he leaves the room. The mess hall. He says, well, what do you pay him for? And then he says, public relations. Public relations, yeah. Which is funny because you're looking at that. At this point, they have their their people that they're taking places. You know, they're yeah. ferrying some people around that they picked up on that planet. So this is, you know, they take odd jobs, right? And this part of their job is, hey, come with us criminals and we'll take you, take you where you want to go. Yeah, and of course they have to see them on the up and up because mm-hmm. they do some legitimate business. They do some legitimate business. And they business. need to maintain the appearance of being legitimate. How... And although they did maintain the appearance of legitimacy in these times, because they're not the ones that created the conflict, it was the most, uh, it was the, most you know, the doctor, one. it was the most respectable of the bunch. I guess maybe the shepherd, depending on who you're talking to. Or the ambassador, <laughs> <laughs> a companion. <laughs> 
Um, the while they do some legitimate business, I think it's always clear. Like if you're if you're looking at this, like oh yeah, this operation appears legit, and that guy appears to be the muscle who's just here to hurt people. Yeah, <laughs> like, very obviously so. He's yeah. like the one hole in the legitimate plan. <laughs> like, oh, what shit, do you pay doing? him for? Breaking ankles and hurting feelings? Like, what do you think he pays him for? Look at that guy. Listen to him. I mean, I don't know why you wouldn't just say security other than the joke, I guess. <laughs> because there is a legitimate need, I would think, for security regardless. Totally. Yeah, that was hilarious. <laughs> Obviously, the worst suited for that job. How does he connect with Mal Reynolds? Where did these guys get introduced? How did he become a member of the crew? Do you know? He uh, screws someone else over <laughs> on a job. Absolutely. So he screws someone else over on a job and joins Mal's side because he's like, oh, the money was better. So <laughs> Mal's like, I'll pay you double or something like that. And he converts. Ah, sheds a lot more light on that conversation. Then. <laughs> right. Yeah. The money wasn't good enough, although it was good enough. Yeah. But it wasn't his people. It was just too slimy. Yeah. Okay. So in order, we've got Wash next. Oh, that took a while. Wash was probably the thing that I remember the best about Serenity. Yeah. Probably because he has that, that. <laughs> epic uh, hashtag spoilers death scene, um, yeah. which I was actually, I thought, well, it, that's for a different review. Um, <laughs> no, go for it. No, I just, like, I know if you were a fan of the show, it was like, oh my God, they killed Wash. That mm-hmm. hurt. And oh, as, yeah, as somebody who just came into it without an audience surrogate, it just seemed like kind of a, it didn't really feel like he got his moment. I get that. You know, and it's. Because you're looking at his moment in a series. I'm looking at his moment in this film. Mm-hmm. Was he adequately utilized? He sat in the cockpit and wisecracked, probably did some, some, you know, flying worth writing home about, but it just didn't feel like he engaged actively enough. He wasn't important enough to the plot to have really felt like the death was earned in the film. I could see why you would say that. I really did feel for him despite not having the TV series, you know, under my belt. I definitely felt the emotional loss of him. Um, but it was more of like, he's, you know, he's Zoe's husband. He's the pilot of the ship. What would they possibly do without him? And, and he was hilarious. So anyone who can crack the joke, um, you know, takes a piece of my heart with them when they when they depart. But, but mm-hmm. you're giving me reasons that you felt the loss of the character. Yeah. And I'm saying I don't think it was earned. I don't think that it honored the actor or the. And I've seen it one time a long sure. time ago. But based on my, this is why I didn't like it. It didn't feel like uh, it honored the actor or the character adequately within the plot like his moment in the in the movie was the death scene am i am i remembering vast or forgetting vast portions i think so i mean i i suppose maybe it is a review for another time just so that we were not rehashing all serenity but i do feel like it was earned um okay you know it was he was a very gifted pilot and the main so i saw alan tudyk at comic-con in salt lake city um, I'll go ahead and lead with that. Um, he's a very entertaining presence. Uh, he signed garbage for anyone who would, uh, like from his uh, duffel bag for anyone who would ask him a question. <laughs> so it was hilarious. He's like, oh, here's the hotel brochure. Here was my bag of peanuts. Just the bag, not the peanuts. <laughs> yeah, no, it was hilarious. Um, 
He's clearly a funny guy. He was he clearly, hilarious. you went to high school with him and he was somebody that everybody loved, like whether he realized it or not. He was obviously the guy that everybody loved, always had a charming, witty joke and the best timing. Like he's a fun guy. Yeah. By seeing him on, you know, as an actor. So his line in it, which he said is foretelling, um, and it's a very famous line from the movie that people get tattooed on them. And he's like, I feel so bad because it says it's, I'm a leaf on the wind. Watch how I soar. And he's like, but guys, what is a leaf on the wind? It's dead. <laughs> this was foretold. <laughs> he's like, I always feel bad when I say that and people have that tattooed on their body. But <laughs> there it is. <laughs> but, you know, it's it, he's such a good pilot that he's he's a leaf on the wind. It, mm-hmm. This is natural for him. And yeah. Just floats. Floats. Yeah. Good. Gets them out of some pinches with mm-hmm. the crazy Ivan and the crybaby <laughs> in this episode alone. I like their um, I liked the lingo mm-hmm. in the show yeah what are they saying full burn yeah like, turn us around full burn hit it yeah it's it's maybe it's very not trekky yeah like, absolutely there's no set work force, speed. engage there's protocol <laughs> yeah. right and this is lingo mm-hmm. like this is what the operators the assembly of characters uh that's this is not true the way the characters interact and the tone um reminds me of Alien, which <laughs> I don't know how well you remember Alien. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> I forgot. When we do we movies. watched it early and are <laughs> getting to know each other. And by that you mean we talked through it. Yeah, 10 years ago. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so that was truckers, like kind of literally space truckers who were yeah. moving cargo from one place to the other. Mm-hmm. And they were just there running the ship. And they're, you know, real blue collar, real crass crew of folk. Um, it's different, but the tone is similar and familiar. Yeah, I get that. I probably like the familiar the familiarity of it, um, but I I just like I don't know I like being I like feeling like you're dropped into an actual working ship mm-hmm. and you are picking up on the lingo. Yeah, as they're laying it down and you're just trying to you know get on through it like a leaf in the wind. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they really drop you in and don't explain it. Like, it's very easy to pick up because of the context. And, you know, you don't have to really know what full... I mean, one would assume to know what full burn is and <laughs> why to use it. Yeah, you can get it, right? Like, Absolutely. Yeah, I don't understand how the how the motor works, but Absolutely. I get what we're doing here. Yeah. So, oh, I don't know. Did we really... We talked about his debt. We talked about Wash in yeah. Serenity, which I think it's appropriate to talk about Wash in I Serenity. I think so. It's a big thing. Because that was my introduction to him, too. Yeah. Um, anything more we need to say about him here? I just wanted to add the quote. It made me really laugh. And maybe, you know, it's uh, when he's playing with his dinosaurs. It's like our first scene with Wash. Um, and he's like, yes, yes, this fertile land and we will thrive. We will rule all over this land and we will call it this land. <laughs> I think we should call it your grave. Ah, oh, curse your sudden but inevitable betrayal. I didn't realize it. I was writing a note, I think. <laughs> And I didn't see that he was playing with dinosaurs. Oh, yeah, it's great. It makes me so happy. <laughs> <laughs> I have, like, a little figurine of him, and he's got dinosaurs in his hands. Really? <laughs> oh, yeah. It makes me very happy. It's one of those Funko Pop characters. I don't know if you've seen them. They have huge heads. The eyes are weird. I know what you're talking about, mm-hmm. uh, In I think. 
Yeah, I looked up the Riker one, by the way, and it's pricey. That's Ooh. well desired, apparently. It's like 150 bucks in some places. Walmart had it for way more. I was like, damn, Walmart, you gouging people. Doesn't surprise me. <laughs> <laughs> I think we might have talked about this before. Sure. That you know the terminology, any TV junkie, I think, knows this terminology. We'll see. Jumping the shark? Yes. Of course. Uh, the opposite of jumping the shark, have we talked about this? I know you've said it, but I don't remember what it was. Growing a Riker's beard. <laughs> oh, that's right. <laughs> that's Who do we got next? Um, next on my list is Kaylee. That's Kaylee Fry. Not who was next on mine, but that's who I no? was looking at. Okay. That's where I was looking. <laughs> uh, played by Jewel State. Stady. Stady. Yep. Didn't see the I there. I spelled <laughs> it phonetically and still screwed it up. She's the adorable one that I love. Yeah. She's adorable. Absolutely. She's the mechanic, which I feel like would be the least, like, I wouldn't assume that she was the mechanic otherwise. Like, just based on her personality, I would have guessed Jane to be the mechanic in any stereotypical, you know, he's the greasy redneck. Right. When they said, what's Jane's role? I thought security's clearly the right answer to go Mm -hmm. for here because mechanics accounted for. But then again, you know, he's a pretty rough, rugged guy. So you could see the mechanics persona of I'm wrenching on steel all day and I'm pissed off. Um, And, you know, that's just how that's just how that is. And he does not know his way around the engine. No, we find out she's directing him around. (laughs) She's like, look where I'm pointing. (laughs) Well, when she's talking to the doctor about like, oh, like what a thing to be a doctor. You're so young. You're the youngest doctor. And he's saying, yeah. And, if we find out she's the mechanic and she mm-hmm. says, I don't know, you know, like, I don't know how she puts it. Like, machines just speak to me. Yeah. Like, that listen. just comes to her naturally. So the way she's presented, not to say she's not smart, but she's got this innocent, uneducated. I feel like she seems kind of yeah. uneducated. Oh, just in the way she, she speaks. Not a formal education at all. Right. She's exactly. naturally talented, right. but not educated. It, again, she's. Nothing says she's a dumb character. Yeah, Not absolutely. dumb, but they present her in such a way that she seems like an uneducated, um, I just, you know, I've gotten by in life by by just working. And I yeah. just like working with equipment, looking working with machines. So I just kind of do what I do the way I do it. And, and uh, she just seems like she's sweet and likes nice things, like when she meets the preacher and 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 uh, she says, you're looking for a ship, aren't you? Well, mine's the nicest. She's <laughs> just got this innocent, idealistic way about her. Yeah. She's just generally interested in people. She was very excited to yeah. socialize. Very opposite of me in that way. I'm like, oh, socializing with people. She just wants to ask questions and hear their stories. Does she irritate you or does she, do you admire that oh, when you I watch it Oh, I admire it. Absolutely. It's just the idea of doing it myself makes me squirm. I'm just like, oh. <laughs> it's weird since you have a career of talking for a living now. It's different than asking people, you know, their life story. And I just don't like small talk. That's the thing. And I really hate the idea of being stuck in small talk. Just like it's my worst nightmare. I wish (laughs) that people who don't like small talk would be clear in their expectations of me to say, hey, uh, we're here doing this thing that we have to do in the same place at the same time. Yeah. And we don't need to speak. And the fact that I'm not interested in getting to know you doesn't mean I don't like you. You're fine. There's just no objective here. So I have nothing to say. Yeah, I just don't. 
don't want to hear the superficial stuff. Like, if you want to tell me your, you know, deep-seated feelings of this, that, or the other, that's great. Uh, but gotcha. I just don't want surface You bullshit. like people going on in rants. I you do. You like tangential stuff. When people complain, it makes it kind of makes my heart sing a little bit because they usually only complain about things they really care about. And so you kind of get this weird insight into people. I mean, Tell me more. <laughs> I know. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, well, that's fair because I hate talking about the weather. Oh, yeah, right? Absolutely. Yeah. There are only so many things you can say on it, and I don't care about politics. When somebody says, ah, it's raining out there. It's like, oh, you noticed that too, huh? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what else you got? I'll be here all day. Okay, uh, Kaylee, she's the one who got shot. Yeah. Uh, spend some time getting better. Everybody, She's very important to everybody. Obviously, oh, everybody loves her in her, in her like innocent, you know, uh, affable way that she has. Yeah. Her sense of childlike wonder. Yes. And I don't know if you noticed, she just sees the best in everyone. Yeah. Like, Mallet said something to her kind of early on that was just like, yeah, you know, love to tie her up and throw her in the hold so that way we don't have to hear her talk. And she's just like, I love my captain. Like, she just oh, knows that he's ragging him. on her. She kisses on his cheek. Yeah. And you're like, oh, is that romantic? Or no, she's just sweet. Yeah. I'd ask you, I said, is that, that's clarification. That was not a romantic kiss, right? She's being a pain in the ass because he's a pain in the ass. And your answer was yes. You read that correctly. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't and say she's became... a pain in the, being a pain in the ass in any way. She's just like, oh, I know you're just giving me a hard time, smooch. I want to say, nope, you tell me. Who's next? No, I'd love to hear your guess. Uh, Inara? Yes. Oh, Inara Toy. Sarah. Played by Miranda Bakran. Okay. So uh, let me start with. Mm-hmm. Before we get into her introduction, sure. Where uh, now I'll do the introduction first. Where they call her the ambassador. Yes. There's our ambassador. Mm-hmm. And who's who they're introducing her to? They're introducing her to the preacher. We see her at work. Yeah. So she is what we refer to in this universe as a companion. Mm-hmm. However, uh, Captain Daddy introduces her as she's a whore. Yeah, well, uh, he calls her an ambassador intentionally. Her title. To, yeah, calls her an ambassador mainly to throw off Shepard. And, you know, this is obviously after we've met Shepard that he introduces her in this way. Um, calls her the ambassador, and she's like, oh, we've never had a preacher on board. And he's like, oh, well, you know, it's nothing. I, I've not been in the presence of a state official. And then she looks very taken oh. aback, embarrassed, and, you know, Mal explains, nope, she's just a whore. And it's like, ooh. Nope. <laughs> well, and what does she say at the as she walks out? She's got some pointed dig that, uh, like, she said, "Why don't you make sure that the crew wants to meet me first? Right. Yeah. Uh, as she walks off. Now, you had told me about the Disney show and how her character is going to be written off if they do it. Yeah. Right. Uh, because she's, they see her just as a prostitute, and that's the companion is a lot more than that in this. It's. They have to be certified in their trade. They're very respectable. And Mal even says, you know, a lot of planets won't, le- won't even let you on them without a certified companion. Like, it actually gives them some legitimacy to have her aboard. Uh, I, I don't want to be, I don't know enough about what I'm about to ask. Sure. So this is preface, in case this is culturally insensitive, I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. Um, <laughs> All right. <laughs> is it a geisha? I would say it's role? very similar. I don't know fully what a geisha does, but I that's guess that's I mean. everything that I would compare it to. Uh, well, I read her memoirs. 
<laughs> which is a great movie, great underrated. I movie still haven't seen it. Not enough people watch. So good. Um, maybe I'll add it to a list of movies. Maybe I'll watch. <laughs> I'll add it. That's as far as you're gonna go with it. <laughs> now, maybe I'll watch it sometime. You know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna add that to a list of movies. Then maybe I'll that watch. I have. <laughs> That I'm never going to look at that list because there's way too much on. So uh, let me, this is the part that you might want to delete later. Sure. But he, he says, she's a whore. Yeah. I'm asking you. I said, oh, this is the hooker. And you looked at me and said, don't do that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you said you were outraged the fans. <laughs> that is not what we call her. That is not how that is. Yeah. Let's avoid this problem yeah. from the beginning. So, you know. How I am, I thought I want to step into this problem mm-hmm. and mention it now. Oh, absolutely, yeah. To course. demonstrate your level of fandom <laughs> and the way you, the way you protected me coming into this. Well, she's a very strong feminist character until you do that to her. You know what I mean? If you just see her as a whore, you're really taking away some of the strength and power that she has as such a respectable woman. Mm-hmm. Like she is the most reputable among the group, which you know in our culture is weird, but like in hers, that's. I oh. mean, she is kind of not quite a state official, but they. You know, they end up retiring and being among the state officials. You know what I mean? Oh, okay. So ambassador was not such a far reach. Right. Absolutely. She's an ambassador of sorts. But yeah, he definitely says it to be, you know, a shithead. Coy. Yeah. Uh, We set up some interesting things with her. I don't feel like there's a lot of delivery. She's got... And she's got that fair maiden thing about her. You know, she's just beautiful and soft and gentle. But, uh, you know, evidently there's a lot more to her where she's formidable. Yeah, she's very well-spoken and cultured. But, yeah, she's and a strong woman. I So I wrote, well, this is for the next card. Um, is she, there's something going on with her and Captain Daddy. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. I mean, nothing official, but there no, no, are but definitely the. She sells sex as her business. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is not a customer. Correct. He is not a consumer. Mm-hmm. Why is she on the ship at all? Seems yeah. kind of unclear. And now it seems pretty clear that there is a she she rents the shuttle pod from him so yep. that she could leave from you know wherever the ship's at to go do her own business and come Absolutely. back. So she really has no place on the ship other than to sublease the shuttle pod. Absolutely, she's uh, a regular paying customer. In <laughs> mouse. Right. Um, I guess to lease the shuttle. Yeah. But. She uh, so she talks to him not as a member of her crew. He comes in and and gets uh, shitty with uh, the doctor, and she says, "Oh well, since you're about to kill him in a few minutes, I was just giving him a courtesy thrust." <laughs> I'm like, "Wow, I can't believe they said that." Yeah, I don't know see, why I felt I'm that. I'm telling way. you, can you imagine that on Disney? Anyway, so yes, to your point, it's uh, pretty raunchy. Yeah, up right. <laughs> yeah. I really enjoy the raunchy humor and. They carry that really well in the comics. <laughs> I definitely appreciate it. See, say Disney has a show that picks mm-hmm. up with the characters wherever they're at in the world now. It would make perfect sense to have her be an ambassador. Yeah. To say she's retired from her former profession mm-hmm. and has assumed her role as a dignitary. Yeah. That would be a perfectly reasonable thing to do. I, I would think, think so. To say, hey, you know, the prostitution thing isn't Disney enough. Like That's it does, fair. That doesn't fit her that. brand very well. Um, she doesn't maybe need to be in the show at all she i don't know like i haven't seen the rest of it so i don't necessarily know how her character fits in everything um but you know that would be something that i would be pleased to see that oh of course she's gonna be here she's just not gonna be a prostitute anymore which she never was she was a companion oh you're learning (laughs) 
<laughs> Excellent. I learn slow, but I learn real good. <laughs> <laughs> That's a Jane line, I swear. <laughs> uh, I met a guy recently, yeah. and uh, he was super funny, super just redneck guy. He was just uh, just all jokes. Like I knocked on his door because I because I sell real estate by day, and uh, they were going to be at the house <laughs> door when to people door, came. Apparently. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, continue. <laughs> That's hilarious. I never thought about that before. Don't do it. Door-to-door sales. Um, <laughs> so I knock on the door, and he knocks. And I thought, come on. Like, are we seriously doing this? And then he opens the door. He's like, ha, just kidding. <laughs> Housekeeping. Come on in. <laughs> and he says, and his wife was actually the realtor representing the sale of their house. Yeah. And, uh, and he's making a joke at some point. And he says, he goes, you know, I don't read very much. Obviously. <laughs> and I was listening to Jane and I was thinking that so much reminds me of that guy yeah. who was just all character all the time, who was obviously a totally sharp guy, yeah. but just loves settling into this role of the funny redneck guy. Absolutely. <laughs> Let's have a beer. Okay. Um, so how does she, I thought her presence Inara in this was very interesting yeah. because she had a sort of soft power over Absolutely. Nathan Fillion when he comes in mm-hmm. to after the courtesy thrust, which didn't happen. That's not what they were talking about. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, and basically says, get out of here. And she says, why don't you get out of here? I lease this pod from you. He goes, she says, get out of my shuttle. He says, it's my shuttle. And she says, and when I stop making the lease payments, you'll have a right to come in here unannounced until they get lost. <laughs> yeah. Not that there's a really strict decorum among the crew, but she is not a member of the crew. She has a soft power over him, and he's got a soft spot for her, evidently, that I find all that very interesting. She can't just be the girl. Yeah, no. There's got to be more to it than these two have a little bit of attention. Next up, Shepard Book. Yes. Uh, Grandpa. (laughs) Love that line. You take it away. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's definitely something I had to back up for because it was his best line in the thing. Um, But, yeah, he's going around looking at ships and some guy's trying to hustle him to go on his ship. And he's like, hey, Grandpa, blah, blah, blah. You know, like, it's a clean ship. Here's its name. You know, what do you say, Grandpa? And he's like, I I never married. What? I'm not a grandpa. (laughs) And that was a very academic way of saying... You're a dick, and I don't want to spend any time with you. Absolutely, a yeah. grandpa, a gramps. I'm never married. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, which is funny because it really doesn't, I guess, matter if he married. It more matters if he He's reproduced. A but oh, that's true. That's true. Fair mm-hmm. point. Um, and he was a shepherd coming from Southdown Abbey, um, according to him. And he has been out of the world a while. Uh, we find out he has been out of the abbey two days um, before running in with all these criminals. Yeah, you know. Uh, audience surrogates. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nathan Fillion's character is. I mean, he's the main point of contact, I think. And however, well, and however, <laughs> <laughs> insofar, however, as the shepherd has a way about him that, like, here's for the the good people to be introduced to this unsavory crew sure. where he's asking himself by the end of the episode, are you good people in a way? Like he's coming, I think he's coming to terms with you do all the disreputable things and having been a party to all of these things, I don't think you were wrong for doing any yeah. of these things, but I don't think I'm on the right ship. 
yeah. which I thought was great. Like this is weighing badly on my soul. This mm-hmm. is I'm Absolutely. struggling to be here. I don't think you're wrong for anything you do or anything you've done. I I was witness to it. I saw how we made the the decisions we made. Mm-hmm. But it's it's a corrupting. It's like it's corrupting for me yeah. to say I get it and I think you were right. It's maybe too hard a life for him. He was very. I thought he was a very compelling character, actually, because he didn't yeah. necessarily have a lot to do. And sometimes, you know, that like archetype character, like here's the pastor who's who's a wuss who needs to step up. I'm thinking of the guy in Walking Dead. Um, <laughs> Still haven't seen it. Well, I, you'll know who I'm talking about immediately when you see him. But yeah. like, I feel like I've seen that character before, um, and I don't think I've ever been as interested in the character as I am in his where I kind of think that arc is cool. And I don't want to see him get corrupted. Like, I don't want to see the preacher ever need to pull the trigger on somebody. But I do think, you know, like like a missionary in another nation uh, with other customs and, and uh, things that you don't see out of the, you know, gilded world you might have come from where everything's safe uh, and, and protected, I think it's interesting I think his perspective on things, based on the end of this, was very interesting. Yeah, absolutely. I was really compelled by that. There's a lot of nuance in it that went beyond my expectation. Yeah, I would I would have to agree with you. Um, I on that point anyway. Um, I will say, do not feel Mal is our audience surrogate, and mainly because normally with your audience surrogate, we're coming in as the new person with another person who's mostly coming in new. So I would say that Simon and Book actually share that role um i think like well, like i said i think for the audience to discover this world sure here i'm gonna cheat a little bit and start dipping my toe into plot <laughs> okay. uh, let me l- read my note this is i think you'll understand what i'm saying by, yeah. by this nathan fillion is mm-hmm. the audience surrogate because he's a archetype archetypical role that we recognize immediately he's sure. a swaggering heroic captain but the story is River's story. She's the mystery. She's the one that, you know, kind of, she's the beginning of it. She's mm-hmm. the thing that's bringing Simon into the crew. She's, yeah. the world changes because of River. Like it all kind of links to River. She's yeah. the mystery box piece that we need to solve. So it's about her, but we're discovering it through this everyman who's now going to be tasked with uh, leading an expedition of sorts that he's not qualified for and doesn't isn't going to understand um where insofar as the preacher has surrogate tendencies (laughs) (laughs) is just the way he's explained like there's a i think there's a certain audience member Mm -hmm. who looks at him and sees the world through his eyes and is being told this isn't violence in the way that you think it's violence um like the world is corrupt these people aren't so much corrupt yeah and i think for a certain audience member he's a he's a surrogate by any other name which just surprised me so i didn't mean to say he was the audience or was my audience or the uh, you know at all but uh there's qualities to his role that go beyond just being a cog in the wheel somebody probably looks at him and says he's the person that they that they uh identify with the most yeah, I mean, he's, he's kind of our hero in the way. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, Last two characters. Simon. Yep. Tam. And then River. 
Absolutely. Simon Tam, who I pronounce his last name Mar, Sean Mar, Sean Mayer, maybe, who I have a friend with the exact same name. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Simon <laughs> is a wealthy man. Um, you find out that he comes from Osiris and was a trauma surgeon. Um, he kind of goes on this weird little, you think he's just being braggadocious for a minute when he goes, you know, he tells you everything he's done. He's like, I'm... I'm gifted, what they would yeah, call gifted. So and annoying. I could it's just like you could feel the eye roll. But he goes he goes on to say, So understand my full meaning when I tell you that my my sister makes me look like an idiot child. Which was it was very amusing. Yeah, um, like it, understand how significantly this bites me that I am superior in every way and she is superior to me in every way and then some doubly with ice cream and tuna fish on top. Absolutely, that he's an intelligent I man. am a moron compared to her. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, he brings on his sister, which you don't really see her till well, halfway through probably. She's the woman in the box or the girl because she is supposed to be 16, I believe. Um, you know, comes out in a naked, she's naked, <laughs> nay <Nay-nay. laughs> that's what you called it. <laughs> that cracked me up, um, in a cryo box, <laughs> you know, and she's freaking out and Simon calms her and he goes, we're safe now. You're okay. Um, so you kind of get the feeling that they were close siblings and that he is the older of the two. He's the protector. Absolutely. Yeah. And she's very special to him. Uh, and he's very protective of her. Absolutely. Um, and more on her is that uh, we find that the government played with her brain, which is going to, like, we don't get much of it in this, but she is, I wouldn't say not all there, um, but she is very Changed. different. Yeah, changed, different. altered, absolutely. Um, and you find out in the movie that it's she's psychic in some ways, mm. um, which leads to the secret of the Reavers. Ooh. Do you ever see the Reavers, the faces of the Reavers before the movie? Don't think so. Interesting. Yeah. No, oh. they're kind of, I think it makes oh, them scarier, too. what a payoff too. that would have been. <laughs> what a payoff that would have been to fans who have always heard of the Reavers. Mm-hmm. Being this cannibalistic, what do they say, savages? No. Uh, Men gone savage at the end of space. Yes, I loved that. Yeah. <laughs> and then to see him in the movie, I thought they were scary in the movie. It was my favorite oh, yeah. subplot of the movie. Yeah. Uh, and it was the part that, and maybe that's why, because mm-hmm. it was it was sort of like you were discovering it for the first, it was scary. Oh, yeah. They were horrifying. Oh, they are terrible. It, ex- it explains why, how they came to be, which was always a mystery. And even Simon says, you know, I've heard the camps, campfire stories. Right. You know, I've, they don't exist, though. They're just a myth. And she's like, nope, not myth. Hmm. They, uh, they'll kill you, rape you, and wear your skin, at, you know, sew your skin into their clothes. And if you're very, very lucky, they'll do it in that order. That was like, ooh. Yeah, right. Yikes. <laughs> and then it seems still seems like urban legend a little bit because all we it get does, is the yeah. ship is chasing. And they got a big, scary-looking ship chasing their ship. I thought the visuals were beautiful, mm-hmm. by the way. I mean, it's an older show. Yeah. Uh, they would be better today. And then I was thinking, oh, I see why this show is is worthy of a revisit. Yeah. And I see why it's worthy of facelift's not the right word because it implies that there is something wrong with it. But, you know, it doesn't look like a modern show anymore. Yeah. This show would look stunningly beautiful today. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I want, like, I, watching the graphics as the ships were chasing each other through the planet's atmosphere as they're taking off uh, compelled me. I just, like, wanted more of this. Yeah. I thought, okay, I, I take your point. I hope Disney pulls it out of the bag magically. Yeah. 
because this is really as a universe that that has more stories to tell. I agree. Okay, um, there obviously, obviously, river's a key part. Uh, I don't know that there's. I have much more to say about him here because in the pilot, she it's the mystery. Much. Yeah, she doesn't get to do much. She's got a line or two. Mm-hmm. You got the infiltrator Lawrence Dobson. Yeah, holding a gun to her head before he gets the whack. Which, like, you should have known that's a bluff because she's valuable. But I don't know. <laughs> but he was really had the, he had two guns and really had one painted on Kaylee. That's true. Yeah. yeah. He said, "I sorry about the last time, but if you so much as speak, I'm going to shoot you in the throat." Yeah. I was like, he looks like uh, Mark Hamill. I think the actor that's looked like Mark funny. Hamill. I was wondering who he, who yeah. he looked like, and that's totally it. And it's like you, creepy evil <laughs> discount Mark Hamill. Yep. Got lost, bro. <laughs> you know, this is when the show started. <laughs> well, I'm not beating my chest here, but I, as I was saying to you, like. Uh, okay, the villain of the episode, who's clearly the guy who has no name and wasn't in the intro. <laughs> it was like, he just oozed, this sleaze ball doesn't belong here. <laughs> I know. It didn't help that when you're like, who's this guy? I'm like, uh, which, which guy, Coily? Because <laughs> I didn't know his name, and I did not want to tip you off in that way, but I'm like, yeah. <laughs> oh, I know. I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Who's this loser who's clearly... An infiltrator. He talks about the, the alliance. He says, he, you know, I'm a lawman. You're going you're gonna to shoot me in cold blood? Yeah. The lawman? Uh, for the alliance. And, uh, oh, he's the one who says about River, she's a very, very valuable commodity. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no getting rid of me. and make the, Like, there's no making this problem go away yeah. until we have her. Absolutely. So you might as well just want to give her away to me. Yeah. So I think that says... A lot about her and the mystery we're setting up there, but uh, but yeah, he was icky. He was really gross. Well, and the fact that um, Shepard Book tried to help him multiple times, you know, he's yeah. the one who stands in front of him so he doesn't get killed when Jane's trying to kill him, um, and then he goes in to say, "Hey, like, I think there might be trouble for you when he's tied up," and as he's going to go do that, Dobson hits him. And knocks him out. And that's not enough. After he's out cold, he hits him twice again. And it's like, whoa. With a heavy metal thing. Yeah, you're the law man. My ass. You are not respectable in any way. Which is kind of an interesting contrast. That it's the outlaws who have some honor. And the law man does not. Well, as Captain Daddy says. (laughs) (laughs) He says, uh, only fluid I see here is a puddle of piss refusing to pay us our wage. After the guy says the situation's <laughs> fluid, yeah. only fluid I see here is a puddle of piss refusing to pay us our wage. Okay, that's not the thing. Shoot him politely. I liked that one. Yeah, I did too. Okay, Just as shoot I, him politely. Shoot him <laughs> politely. As I meander for the line that I went, okay, here it is. That's what governments are for, getting a man's way. Yep. So you got this government that is too restrictive, isn't there for the people. I take it. I'm not sure as how it's presented here as this guy's, you know, beating the preacher's head in just because he's pure menacingness. Um, so we got a world here where he is our first character to represent the Alliance uh, and hearkening to Nathan Fillion's line, that's what governments are for, getting a man's way. Yeah. So there's really... No, even a reasonable amount of respect for the Alliance. Absolutely not. The way they do business. Okay. 
All right, shall we uh, score it? I, I tipped my hat early. I thought the characters, I immediately liked everybody. Yeah, like, same. What, You know what? Here's what I loved is they weren't tropes. Yeah. They were personalities. Absolutely. So you felt like you were hanging out with a crew of people mm-hmm. with different personalities. A lot Absolutely. of cultural similarities that unite the crew. Then you have a couple of people that aren't a part of the crew who aren't united by culture with these guys. You know, you got the rich kids that keep making fun of the doctor because he's a rich kid. Yeah. Um, but everybody's got a unique and distinct personality that resonates as though you really just met a group of people. Absolutely. That's what I love so much about it. I do too. So pass for both of us on both genre and characters. Not even going to play coy. <laughs> Loved them. I appreciate that. Okay. Now, as for the plot. Sure. Uh, now, of course, we've hit on much of the plot of this episode. A lot of things we haven't necessarily hit on. Maybe we will. Um, but the plot, as we score it. Yeah. Does this episode of the pilot make clear of the overarching plot you're going to expect for the rest of the series? I would say yes, but I'm interested to know what your take is and what you would expect it to be, since I've obviously seen it, so I know how it. Well, I mean, how it relates. The genre is so simple, mm-hmm. um, or so clear. Clear. Yep. That the plot seems pretty easy to tangle with. Yeah. You know, there's no big dramatic twist. We resolve the conflict of this episode and set up. We're going to be on the run. Uh, how does he put it? Let me see if I wrote details here. Um, so here's our theme again. This is what I wrote on my card. This show, the plot of the show, is uh, about men of honor in a den of thieves uh, on the move. Yeah. In parentheses, these are outlaws in an unjust and rugged universe. Absolutely. So our definition of what outlaws are, it's a little bit different here. Definitely. Um, people, like this is the way that you get by in this world. And we're going to be seeing more of that. So they're going to be on the run. People are going to be, you're going to have episodes that are probably one-offs where they go deal with the, uh, you know, the villain or the conflict of the week. Then you're going to have episodes that delve further into the mythology where, you know, the Alliance is coming for, for River. And this is the first thing I knew Summer Glau from. Yeah. Before she became sci-fi royalty. Oh, yeah. A star in her own right. She did Terminator movies as far no, as... No, she did Terminator, the TV show, the Sarah Connor oh, Chronicles. Oh, Sorry, thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. I, I knew not movies, and yet I said it anyway. <laughs> hey, no disrespect. That's why they hired the two of us. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they. <laughs> Fact check. <laughs> so I'm not sure where we're going, sure. but we're going. Yeah. And I, and I think that's enough. Yeah, I think what I wrote down, so I wrote down that assuming it had gone to full maturity, (laughs) that this show would have strived to um, show us trying to, I mean, in this, they're trying to offload stolen goods to get their payday. And so, you know, kind of just dirty crimes for the payday, Mm -hmm. obviously taking maybe a couple legitimate ones as they did here. Mm -hmm. Um, Two, keeping out of reach of Reavers, like this is going to be an ongoing issue in this. Um, and third is, you know, at the end you get Simon and River. They're going to be running from the Alliance. Uh, which is the overarching Which plot. is the overarching. That's like mm-hmm. if it was the X-Files, those are the mythology episodes. Absolutely. Those are the episodes that get deep into mm, the universe the way it is. That is the thread that unifies everything. Yep. And then you have the, uh, you got the daily work, the daily grind that goes into it, the hustle. 
Absolutely. And there's really no clear direction where River and Simon are going. He says, you know, we could go drop you off. Like, he thinks, oh, this is a great line, actually. Yeah. Because he, he's saying, well, like, where are you going to take us? How, where are we going to go? He says, we could take you wherever, but honestly, you might be safer on the run with us. <laughs> we're always moving. Yeah, we're always moving. Might be safer staying on the move. And he says... Uh, how do I know you're not going to kill me? Which I think to, you know, all of his criticism being the spoiled rich kid. It's mm-hmm. like, what an ignorant, stupid thing to say. Yeah. He's not a murderer. Like, were you here this episode? <laughs> uh, he says, how do you know <laughs> you're not going to kill me in my sleep? And he said, if I kill you, you're going to be awake uh, and armed. Facing me and armed. Yeah, facing, yeah, exactly. Awake, facing me and armed. And I love that. Like, look, Such I'm not predicting the future, bro. Like, don't cross swords with me. If you do, we're going to be going at it. But you are going, but it will be with honor. Yeah, absolutely. I liked that a lot. Mm-hmm. We had three villains in this episode. We did, yeah. When you mentioned the Reavers being an ongoing threat, it's like, yeah, of course, the Reavers, they were introduced here. We hardly mm-hmm. get anything of them. We just get their ship. Uh, you've got the uh, Reavers, you've got the Alliance, you've got the, like the small town warlord, small time warlords. Yeah. Uh, so Badger and Patience. Yeah. Badger and Patience. Badger who was adversarial, but not a villain yeah. to these guys in this episode. Uh, but Patience who, you know, they dumped the load that they were, you know, they, uh, <laughs> phrasing, <laughs> <laughs> they offload their heist, yeah. uh, onto their, what do they, what do we call that? What do the, what do what do um, bandits call their their take their their take their treasure their treasure their yeah. driblets their booty their booty <laughs> all right oh, come on I thought we weren't going there okay <laughs> so uh, <laughs> they offload their take onto patients who buys it then mm-hmm. double crosses them he'd commented earlier Captain Daddy did that <laughs> she uh, I think she's gonna try to shoot me again like did you guys listen to her like she's gonna try to shoot me yeah she didn't even try to hide it yeah so <laughs> didn't negotiate then, price at all it's like guys this is not how business ought to be done yeah um, like lady he's not gonna keep bringing stuff to you and she says to him kind of the second or third time he's got a version of this of this insult yeah she says you're she says it's probably while I'm why I'm running the world and you're just out there looking for scrap still like Absolutely. feeding off scrap still and he says to her after they subdue her character, <laughs> he says something like, like, I'm going to leave you to, how does he put it? Like your little world. Yeah. I can't remember what the line is. <laughs> leave you to run your little world. Le- yeah, leave you to run your little world. And I thought there was so much just, you know, in that little line, mm-hmm. so your little world. So here she is strutting her stuff with, you know, they're outgunned. She's double crossing them. She's clear. She's a traditional villain. She is not. True to her word, she made an agreement, and she yeah. doubles back on it. Uh, by any ma- measure, she is a worthless human being, but she runs this planet that we're on, and he calls it her little world. Yeah. Which I thought said a lot about how he saw her and how he saw himself. Yeah. You know, like we're all like we're all out there hustling to to build our empires in in the manner of our choosing and by our vision. Uh, and I just thought that was a great that was a great line to. It was a great dig back at her. Absolutely. Yeah, while we're on patience really quick, I really enjoyed when uh, Jane goes, here's a little concept I've been working on. Why don't we shoot her first? (laughs) Wash goes, it is her turn. (laughs) I really enjoyed that. And I really liked that they um, showed Jane's strength in this piece. Yeah. It was silent. You know, he sneaks up on the snipers, <laughs> takes them out and pulls them away from the gun. And then, you know. Oh, yeah, so great. The sniper's got it aimed in the double cross. Mm-hmm. He, he's working for patience. 
and it's fixed on you know our heroes absolutely and then he just disappears from the you know he's dragged out of the shot so his frame is like you know he's laying down uh shoulders forward to the end of the gun the end of the barrel and then slides out of the shot quietly quietly that was fun it was amazing yeah it was and then you know exactly who's going to be entering the frame and Uh he does Absolutely. And and then I really enjoyed the follow up to that, which is where, you know, Mal kind of deduces who her best gunsman is. Uh, oh. <laughs> oh, nice hat. <laughs> Jane shoots it off of him. <laughs> right, right, right. Because he says, oh, is, that's a nice rifle. You must be your best gun. Boom. <laughs> yeah. Falls off the nice horse bed. Boom. <laughs> Headshot. <laughs> so this is the guy we got to take out first because he kind of <laughs> yeah. smugly looks back at him like, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm the shooter. Yeah, it was good. Um, plot. I gave it a pass. What do you say? Me too. Uh, did you feel like I was far off in my assessment no, of what to good. expect? That's because they did a good job. Yeah. Nicely done, Joss. I'm sorry about that childhood grudge I've been holding against <laughs> you since Alien Resurrection. Still not interested in Marvel. Nothing personal. That's a great opportunity for you, and I'm sure you did it with much honor and integrity. You're welcome <laughs> on the show anytime. Anytime. <laughs> <laughs> well, not anytime. I mean, we kind of got a lineup. You can't just sit in on any old episode. <laughs> just kidding. We'll rearrange the furniture for you. <laughs> um, hook. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm running out of cards. Yeah, I know, right? That's how it goes when you're doing it right. <laughs> you're doing it good. What's the hook that's going to keep you coming back for more? Yeah, Was there one? Was it successful? Um, yeah, to me, it's just... Um, following this found family and you've just added a new dynamic to it, which is River and Simon and they're a huge contrast to it. And sorry, Shepard, which you don't know for sure that he's going to continue on, but he's at least weighing his options. I think he is. Well, he's going to continue to be in the show. Absolutely. With caveats that all the characters have. Certainly. Yeah. But his story alone is interesting enough that you want to know, like what's the decision you're going to come to? Absolutely. Simon and River, they got, Big life-altering, you know, things going on right now. Uh, I'm concerned about that. Yeah. The crew has things that they're going to be working against that stem from this that are going to continue and new things that are going to come up and just the day-to-day. I want to know about that. Absolutely. And it's a big risk that they're taking, you know, taking Simon and River along. And it is, in my opinion anyway, Mal's sticking his middle finger up to the Alliance. Hey, he knows it's very Come valuable to him, and he didn't win the war, but damn it, he's going he's gonna to make a stand. Uh, big guns, but even bigger hearts. Oh, yep. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Unless you're Jane. <laughs> Gen- then just big guns. <laughs> Inara, I have no idea how Inara fits in, yeah. but she's intriguing. She is, yeah. Um, so I just wrote on the hook. I mean, I agree. There's, mm-hmm. and you know what I actually loved about it What's is that? a lot of what we review, a lot of the very serialized shows that we watch, newer shows that are yeah. very serialized, uh, end on a note of bum, bum, bum. Yeah. Like what's going to happen? Dramatic beaver. Mm-hmm. What's going to happen next week? Yeah. Stay tuned. Let, like, let the binge keep it rolling. And I like the simplicity of this. It said, you know, you don't need to do that. There doesn't need to be a big dramatic hook. Yeah, at the it's end not of each imme- episode, Yeah, there's which no is, immediacy. Yeah, which is also welcome. But this didn't have it. And, you know, I, it was there. Like, yeah. Like, what was the hook? It wasn't some big twist at the end. It was just how these inter- people interact. So I wrote as my, you know, answer to the question. Uh, I like the people and setting and universe. And I want to see what happens next. Yeah. And I want more. Perfect. I like it. 
Ooh, did you just give Firefly a total pass here? Is that what just happened? I see where you're going with this, <laughs> but I, you know, when somebody comes into it and says, hey, I feel like I might be wrong and I'm happy to be. Yeah. If you need a gloat, go for it. But I feel like I've already said. Oh, it's not a gloat. It's more just that I'm delighted to have converted you just as you do when I'm excited about Star Trek in any way. Yes. I'm like, hey, see, I told you it was worth your time. Oh, what a, sh- what a show. You know, when we said, or, uh, I forget. He was some uh, very prominent reviewer. I talked about him on my Facebook when I was promoting pilots. Uh, Don, I think it was a Don. I can't remember. Yeah. Um, uh, very prominent reviewer who wrote about this pilot thing that we do <laughs> that he said, or she. she. Uh, they're fictional. It doesn't matter. However you <laughs> picture however you're pictured them, um, <laughs> that this is the podcast for a quarantine generation. <laughs> So here you have new alliances being formed, old grudges being set aside, <laughs> unity. Oh, I like that a lot. That's hilarious. <laughs> All right. Let's uh, hit some quotes and sure. And then uh, hit burn. a full burn and get out of here. <laughs> yeah, sounds good. <laughs> okay, uh, I only had one um, that we didn't naturally cover. Um, and it's actually at the very beginning when... Malice talking to the guy who's scared shitless that they're going to die in the battle. And he goes, we're not going to die. We can't die, Bendis. You know why? We're just too pretty for God to let us die. <laughs> I did like that. Uh, all right. So I've hit all these. I've got to cross these off as we go through them. Shoot them. Shoot them politely. So yeah. I got a friend, fucking Kevin. <laughs> fucking Kevin. Yeah. Uh, fucking Kevin. <laughs> he once said about somebody, we were serving tables together, and he said, well, uh, did you tell him to fuck off? I was like, yeah, Kevin, that's what I'm going to say to uh, my table right now. He says, say it kindly. <laughs> I said, how would you say it kindly, fucking Kevin? And he said, kindly fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> Shoot him politely reminded me so much. Like, I wanted to text Kevin right then and say, you want to get a drink soon? <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember this one? Kindly fuck up. He's going to remember. <laughs> right. Uh, never married. What? Not a grandpa. Uh, that, that was a good one where we already talked about it, but yeah. I didn't get to say it, so I wanted to say it. No, it's important. Uh, we both say it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this was a good piece. We, this is the second part yeah. of Inara when she said, when they say she's a whore, yeah. term is a companion. And he says, how's business? And she says, none of yours. I thought, Ooh, <laughs> Very ouch. witty. Yeah. She is educated very clearly. Right. Um, that's what governments are for, getting a man's way. Can you move your feet? They say this to Kaylee. Kaylee. Yeah, well, she's uh, in shock. She's shot. Yeah, she gets shot. And uh, somebody says, can you move your feet? And she says, are you asking me to dance? And she's Simon passing out. It. Yeah. And... Uh, Right, the doctor says, can you move your feet? Are you asking me to dance? Because she's got a crush on him. Yeah, and somebody so says, cute. she's in shock. And I thought, I didn't see that at all. <laughs> I saw somebody with whose wit cannot die. <laughs> uh, this is when Lawrence Dobson, the bad guy, is trying to pull one over on Jane. And mm-hmm. Jane says, okay, like you work for the Alliance. Like you can't even lie well. Like that was pathetic. <laughs> you thought that that was going to work on me? And he yeah. says, this is the quote. Okay, I can see you're not an idiot, which obviously genuinely surprised him. <laughs> uh, I just think I'm on the wrong ship. Hit that one, but I wrote it down. Why didn't you turn on me, Jane? Money just wasn't good enough. Yeah. Talked about that also. 
Cool. All right. Well, next week for The Mandalorian, and then we'll hopefully, for the, those of you that aren't sci-fi uh, nerds, switch gears to uh, give you something to take an interest in. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe we're going to find out that this just isn't the podcast for you. <laughs> we'll see. You could write us hate mail about it. And you can send that hate mail to pilotsthepodcast at gmail.com. That's correct. Oh! <laughs> uh, what else we got? Where else do they want to find us? Pilotsthepodcast.com for all of the ways you can find us. And if you happen to have forgotten that email address already, you can hit the contact us page and email straight from our website. Thanks for <laughs> listening. I'm Riker. And I'm Shmi. And this is Pilots. Pilots.